Good morning. It's amazing to see actual human beings in the pews here. Last time I was preaching, uh, it was just poor Samuel in the back, and it was a dark sanctuary, and he had to listen to me ramble for about 20 minutes. So he's probably either my biggest fan or my least biggest fan now. Um, probably the latter, actually. Um, and I haven't forgotten about everyone who's tuning in on our YouTube um, via the live stream. It's, it's always a pleasure to be up here and speak what God has put on my heart. So a little bit, a little bit of a history about me. Um, most of you know already, but for those that don't know, many, many years ago, I went to Bible college, uh, a Bible college called Peace River Bible Institute. PRBI was located in a small um, northern Alberta town called Sexsmith, Alberta. And I know that's a weird name for a town that, with a Bible college. I've always thought that as well. Um, and uh, yeah, so I went to Bible college there and I gained a bit of a reputation um, for being a rebel. Uh, I was a little crazy. I think I was just a little more willing to have fun than everyone else. That's my thoughts on it. But I was willing to bend a couple rules. Um, and I had a good friend there and he had a cousin that would visit from time to time. And on this one weekend, uh, I was introduced to this cousin. So I went into the dining hall on the um, campus and it was a Saturday night. And uh, my friend introduces me to his cousin, and we realize that we're very much alike. We really hit it off. We're like, you know what? We're, we're very similar people. And um, I won't say this guy's name, because I'd rather him ruin his own reputation. He's actually a really awesome worship pastor now. So um, if he ever listens to this, uh, he's an awesome guy. But he, uh, so he, he's like, Eric, I've had this idea for a long time. And I was like, what's the idea? And he was like, follow me. And I was like, sweet. This sounds good. So we go out to the parking lot go to his car, and he uh, opens the door, pulls out a bag, opens up the bag. I look in, there's a can of spray paint. And I was like, I don't know what we're doing, but I am in. Let's do it. And, uh, and then he, so in Sexsmith, I actually think it's a historical site now, but um, they, have, they have grain elevators, two grain elevators that um, everyone, the town always had people um, either trying to climb them or graffiti on them or vandalizing them. So they're having issues with that. Um, so this guy goes, Eric, I've always wanted to spray paint those two grain elevators. And I was like, I don't think I've ever wanted that, but I do right now. So we, uh, we wait till dark, but it was um, the middle of winter in a small northern Alberta town, so it wasn't very late. So we, we head out to the grain elevators, and what do two guys with no artistic talent and a can of spray paint, what do they spray paint on grain elevators? Well, we decided to spray paint our names. And not just, not just our first names, our full names, right? It, seems, it seemed like a great idea. It was awesome. And then we, uh, we go back to the college campus, hang out, have an awesome weekend. He leaves, luckily for him. And then about, I think it was about the Tuesday or Wednesday of that week, I get called into the president's office. And he goes, um, Eric, we've been, we've been called by the town. Have you... Uh, spray painted the grain elevators sometime this week. And I had a couple options, either try and lie my way out, but I was like, there's no way. I spray painted my entire full name. And my handwriting is very much like a five-year-old's, and that's what it looks like. So I was like, well, yeah, I did. And they're, they're like, well, the town, um, obviously that's illegal, you know that. And I was like, yeah, I do know that. Um, so luckily, all they made me do was clean our names off these grain elevators. But that's actually a lot harder then it sounds. Cleaning graffiti is a very tedious task. Um, <laughs> but the reason I tell this story, you guys are always like, oh, 
He's always telling stories about Bible college, but they're the easiest stories for me to draw sermon illustrations from. So that's why you got another one. Um, the reason I tell this story is because who we decide to follow, who we decide to listen to, who we decide to grow with, who we decide to let influence us, or, or what we decide to grow with, influence us, or follow, has massive implications on our life. It matters deeply. Um, it affects every part of our lives. And I think it's really easy for us as Christians reading the New Testament now. We're like, if Jesus came up to me and said, follow me, it's like, oh yeah, easy. I'd follow him for sure. Or Paul's like, imitate me as I imitate Christ. Easy. But I think that's a lot easier said than done. Um, and I think a lot of the times the Christian church and Christians fail at that. And I've been, um, God has put on my heart lately what being a disciple or a follower of Jesus truly is. Um, we toss around these words and in the Christian faith and in the Christian community. I grew up with them. I always heard the words discipleship, disciples, followers of Jesus. And it's like, yeah, I know what that means, but I think we often need to remind ourselves what it actually means to be a disciple of Jesus. Because I think oftentimes people from the outside world look into the church and they go, wow, that's disciples of Jesus? Mm, nah, not for me. It doesn't look so great. And that's why I think it's important to remind ourselves um, and to encourage ourselves and um, the rest of the church, what being a disciple truly is. Um, and then in no way is this an exhaustive list. There's been way smarter men and women in history that have written many books, preached many sermons, um, talked about this. I'm not trying to say that this is a new idea. Obviously it's not, but it's just a reminder to us of what being a disciple is. Um, and I would encourage you guys later throughout this week to, to just search it on your own um, just look up what, being, what you think being a disciple actually means and how we can live that out. But I want to read a section of verses from the book of John, chapter 13. And this is Jesus at the Last Supper with his closest friends, apostles, disciples. Um, and it's John chapter 13, verses 31 to 35. Jesus says this. When he had gone out, Jesus said, Now is the Son of Man glorified and God is glorified in him. If God is glorified in him, God will also glorify him in himself and glorify him at once. Little children, yet a little while I am with you. You will seek me, and just as I said to the Jews, so now I also say to you, where I am going, you cannot come. A new commandment I give to you, that you love one another, just as I have loved you, you are also to love one another. By this, all people will know that you are my disciples if you have love for one another. This passage um, shows us a few things about being a disciple, and I'm going to limit it to three, just like Scott always says, because we're Baptist. There's three things that I want to pull out about being a disciple um, in this passage. And the word disciple or disciples is used over 200 times in the New Testament. So it's obviously an important um, title, and it's something we need to constantly be reminding ourselves the greater meaning it often has, because um, I think it just kind of rolls off our tongue and we don't really think about it. Um, but before we get in to what I want to say, I just want to define the word disciples. Uh, and just in case my Greek professor is listening to this or will listen to this, I'm going to pronounce this word properly. But in the original Greek, the word disciple is mathetes. And mathetes literally translates as learner. And I think oftentimes... Uh, I like to think of a disciple as just a follower, but a disciple, the first thing I want to say is being a disciple is being a learner. 
being a disciple of Jesus is about being willing to learn. And what does being willing to learn mean? Um, I, was, I was going through that a lot this week, and I'm a stubborn person. Uh, you could ask my wife. And I think being willing to learn is being willing to admit that you're wrong, um, being willing to grow as a person. And if you're a pro athlete and you reach your peak and you're like, wow, I'm, I'm here, but I'm, I've, I've made it. I'm the best there is. I'm going to stop working out. I'm going to stop training. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to stop practicing. How long will that person be a pro athlete? Not very long. But for some reason, as Christians, I think a lot of the time we like to think, oh, yeah, I go to church on Sunday. I read my Bible sometimes. Um, I've made it. But I think we have to be very diligent in realizing that we are called to be learners as disciples of Jesus. That means to be immersed in the word. That means to hang out with more mature believers, hang out with less mature believers. It means to be willing to grow as a person. And um, that's, that's harder said than done, but it's possible. And uh, it's very important. I would say one of the most important things for our faith in Christ is being willing to admit we're wrong and learn. And we're also called to teach what we've learned. And how can we teach something to someone if we don't know anything about it? I know not all of us are going to be pastors or Bible scholars or theologians, but we are called to teach. And Paul tells Timothy in 2 Timothy 2, verses 2 to 3, he says, You then, my son, be strong in the grace that is in Christ Jesus, and the things you have heard me say in the presence of many witnesses, entrust to reliable people who will also be qualified to teach others. And I don't know about you, but I want to be a reliable person who can be trusted to lead people deeper to Christ. I think that is one of the biggest parts about being a disciple. And number two, being a disciple is being loving. And uh, it was pretty obvious in the passage, a new commandment I give to you that you have love for one another, just as I have loved you, you are also to love one another. By this, all people will know that you are my disciples, if you have love for one another. Being a disciple of Jesus involves loving. This is the most important aspect of following Jesus. Jesus tells his closest disciples to love one another. And just previous in this passage, if you go back, he had just uh, washed their feet. And it was a very humble act of being a servant and a very uh, applicable act of loving. And he goes right from that to saying this new commandment. And this, this is obvious, but... If we are to be an example to the outside world, we have to have love in our community, in the church. Um, I think that's how people realize that they want to be a part of this community. When they look in on the church and realize the community, the love, the family that is the body of Christ, then people will be like, man, that actually looks amazing. I want to be a part of that. And I think that's our biggest goal as disciples, obviously, is to show the love we have for one another to the outside world. And it's also important to note that when Jesus says this commandment, it was during the Last Supper, but Judas had already left and he was about to betray Jesus. And Peter in moments was going to deny Jesus three times. And then the rest of his closest friends were just going to abandon him in his greatest time of need. Even when people don't live up to your expectations or do what you want, we love. We love at all times. Jesus loved them without reservation and without limit and expected them to do the same. That is being a true disciple. Uh, this came up on my Facebook memories 
today, so I was reminded. But five years ago, I was in Richmond, Virginia, and I was attending a missions conference. And um, some of you guys may know that I'm obsessed with coffee. So the hotel I was staying at, just right down the street, there's this super awesome little coffee shop. And I would, I would go, I'm going to say probably three to four times a day. And I was there for four days. So I got to know the staff a little bit. And uh, we were all staying at this hotel and the, the con- it was near the convention center and the convention center um, was packed. So the coffee shop was always packed. So I asked the one girl the one day, I was like, I was like do you guys like um, when it's like this busy? Like, it's probably crazy. And she was like, oh yeah, um, I mean, it's busy, but it's good for business. But then she said something that stuck with me for a long time. She said, but we hate when it's Christian conferences or conventions. And I said, why? And she said, well, Christians are rude and don't tip, generally. And, and that stuck with me for a while because that is her example of being a Christian, is not being willing to tip and being rude in line. And I think it's important for us to remember that every encounter with another person is an opportunity to share the love of Christ. And we're obviously not always going to do that. We are human. We mess up. But it's a good reminder for us to realize that every opportunity with another person is an opportunity to share the love of Christ. Uh, Number three, being a disciple is being involved in community. Uh, I couldn't figure out a nice L word for community, so I apologize. I tried really hard. If you guys could think of one, please tell me one after. Um, Christianity is not a do-it-yourself thing. It involves people. And that is both the best part and the worst part about being Christian. Um, How can we learn from one another? How can we love one another? And how can we grow with one another if we're not involved in community? I think so often in our culture today, um, it's very individualistic. We can just go online on a Sunday morning and listen to the best preaching in the world. We can listen to the best worship in the world without leaving our bed. Um, We can get all the social interaction we need on Instagram or Facebook. Um, We can just stay at home. But that's not how we are created or meant to live. We are meant to be together with each other in community. And that's a little different right now with obviously COVID-19. But there's still ways that we can do that. We are meant to learn, love, grow, teach, and be in relationship with God and others. It says in Hebrews 10, verses 24 to 25, And let us consider how we may spur one another on toward love and good deeds, not giving up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing, but encouraging one another and all the more as you see the day approaching. Community helps bring the word of God alive. It makes it real. Community occurs when we meet together, when we pray together, when we worship together, when we encourage together, when we share the good news together. Christianity is not a do-it-yourself thing. It involves people. And that is being a true disciple, is to live in community, to be loving, and to be a learner. Um, I actually don't know who this guy is, but I found a quote from him online that I quite like. His name is Brandon Cox. I think he was a football player. But he said this about discipleship. He said, discipleship is the art and science of helping people find, follow, and fully become like Jesus. Discipleship happens as God's people love, share truth, and live life with one another, making new disciples along the way. And I think we would be, I would be very wrong to be speaking about being a disciple of Jesus or about discipleship and not bring up Dietrich Bonhoeffer, 
Um, in his famous work, The Cost of Discipleship, he says this, salvation is free, but discipleship will cost you your life. Salvation is free, but discipleship will cost you your life. Being a true disciple isn't easy. That's why um, God has put it on my heart. Uh, and it's, it's hard. It involves times we may feel like giving up because we're doing it with other people. And other people don't agree with us. Other people let us down. Um, we're not always the nicest. And that's why I think it's not the easiest thing in the world. And we just like to just say these words and then just live our life. But we are called to be disciples and make disciples. It, are, it is our greatest calling and mission in life. And it is the most important calling and mission in our lives. And I'm grateful for that. And I, I hope you guys are too. The Great Commission states, go and make disciples. And how can we make disciples if we're not true disciples ourselves? Let's be true disciples of Jesus today. Let's learn from him. Let's love like him. And let's create community like him. Maybe then the rest of the world can look in on the church and go, I want to be a part of that. I want to have that in my life. And that's our greatest mission and calling. Um, and what a greater, there's no greater moment in life than when someone gives their life to Christ. And I think that's, that's awesome. And I, I would love for the church to be the example of love and community for the rest of the world. So let's be true disciples. Let's live out our true calling and mission in every moment of our day and our lives. That includes online, at work, when we're hanging out with our family, uh, when we're hanging out with our neighbors, um, with our friends, at church. It involves every moment of our lives. Let's be true disciples today. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, um, we thank you, Lord, that you sent your Son to die on the cross, Lord, and rise again, that we may have life in him, Lord. And because of that, we are called, Lord, to welcome people into this way of life, welcome people into experiencing the love, the forgiveness, the grace of Jesus Christ. And there is no greater mission, Lord, or calling than that. So, God, we just pray as we go into this week, as we go into the rest of today, that we would be reminded of what being a true disciple actually means, that we would be able to um, be willing to learn, be willing to grow as Christians, no matter how long we've been um, walking with you, Lord, and that we'd be willing to love all people, no matter the circumstance, and that we'd be willing, Lord, to uh, invite people in to this awesome community. And Lord, we thank you um, for your body and for the church, and that we can worship you today. We pray this in your name. Amen.